Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's edition of Health Matters. Well, this evening I'm joined in studio by Dr. Mohammed Dokrat, and he's a dermatologist in private practice here in Cape Town, and we're talking about psoriasis. Dr. Dokrat, good evening. Welcome to the show. It's been a while since we've chatted, but nice to have you back in the studio. Good evening indeed. It's been a long time, but it's been a pleasure to be here again. Well, just a reminder, if you need any information regarding Health Matters this evening or you miss a contact number or any information, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Health Matters on SAFM. There's also a link there if you'd like to download a podcast of the show. But if you'd still like to email me, you can do so on healthmatters at safm.co.za. And just a reminder, with any questions you might have for us this evening, you can call us on 0892 10 892-10-2010. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, I mentioned we were speaking about psoriasis this evening, and psoriasis affects about 125 million people of all ages and races worldwide. It's a common non-contagious, and that is actually very important to understand that it's not contagious. It is serious, though, and it's a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease. Now, normal skin renews itself every about 28 days, with psoriasis, this process speeds up so that the skin cells are replaced every four days. And this causes a buildup on the surface of the skin, forming patches which appear as thickened, silvery-white, scaly areas. And people who have psoriasis may experience physical pain, itching, and bleeding. And as an inflammatory disease, psoriasis is associated with heart disease, Crohn's disease, some cancers, and more than 10% of sufferers also develop the painful arthritic condition known as psoriatic arthritis. Dr. Dockrat, it's, it's more than just a skin condition by all accounts. Yes, certainly. Uh, previously, when I trained about 30 years ago, we thought that psoriasis was just involving the skin. But over the last 10 years, uh, we have discovered that psoriasis is, is associated with various types of internal conditions, including diabetes, met, me, diabetes mellitus, metabolic syndrome, and ischemic heart disease, high cholesterol, and uh, also hypertension. So I think it is important to be aware of that, and patients with psoriasis, we need to assess that because of the fact that they have a high incidence of these conditions, which can have a high morbidity. Why would, in effect, a skin condition have such an impact on the rest of us? It's absolutely important. What happens with psoriasis, as you mentioned, it's an autoimmune disease where you get inflammation of the skin. Likewise, you get inflammation on different organs of the body. As you mentioned, arthritis, inflammation of the, uh, of the heart vessels, the coronary vessels. So therefore, it's a, a multi-organ disease. It's not limited to the, to the skin alone. So because of the fact that it's autoimmune, that is an inflammation, the inflammation is more than skin deep. Okay, and this is something, I made a very strong point about this, it's not contagious. It doesn't look very pleasant when it's in a really bad stage, but you cannot catch this from somebody else. I think this is absolutely uh, important to, uh, to point out to the audience, uh, to the listeners. The reason for that is that there's often a misconception about psoriasis being contagious and associated, or uh, they, people might think that they might have an HIV infection. Uh, the problem with psoriasis, it's visible. You get these red, scaly spots on the body, 
And uh, because people do not have an understanding of, of psoriasis, they may have uh, different uh, misconceptions. And I think it is important to point out to patients and to the public, and that's the reason why we're doing this talk, that it is certainly not contagious. If one shakes hands with a person with psoriasis, it wouldn't spread. And again, I have couples, and the spouse may ask, look, will it spread to my uh, to my partner? And again, the answer is no, it's not contagious. And I think this is important because there's a lot of stigmatization. Patients with psoriasis, they often have uh, problems with uh, self-confidence, image. Uh, patients may feel stigmatized. And I think it is important to empower them. And that's the reason we have various type of talks, support groups, in order to empower patients, for them to understand the condition, and for them to try and live uh, a good quality of life. Now, as I mentioned, this can affect anybody. It's not one specific age group or one specific, it's either not women or men or race group. It, it literally can affect anybody. And is that a genetic thing? Most certainly. Uh, there is a genetic tendency to have psoriasis, and there may be various types of environmental factors, stress, sometimes infection, uh, with a throat infection called streptococcal infection. So these may precipitate psoriasis. Certain drugs like, for example, lithium and uh, beta blockers, which are used for heart conditions, they can also precipitate or aggravate psoriasis. So again, a genetic tendency and then, again, various types of environmental factors, stress factors, and there may be other causes like drugs. And uh, I think it's important to be aware that this is a common condition. As you mentioned, uh, at least 125 million people worldwide, about 1% to 2% of the population have psoriasis. But it is important to note that in the African population, the incidence of psoriasis is much lower. And it looks different in, in, the, in the black skin. Psoriasis does not present as red, scaly spots that we see. They often have darker spots, and sometimes it's not easy to diagnose. But again, um, as far as the predilection is concerned, uh, both males and females, it can in childhood, but often you get uh, psoriasis occurring in middle age. It can affect men and women. As I mentioned in childhood, uh, there may be a, a throat infection which causes psoriasis, but that's slightly different where they get spots all over the body called gutted psoriasis. But the majority of patients present with these red scaly spots that occur on the elbows, on the knees. They may have severe form of dandruff and scaling on the scalp. They may have ear involvement. And in, in, in many patients, it can involve the body. So there's a whole spectrum of involvement of psoriasis. In very, very rarely, it can occur on the palms and soles. And as you mentioned, a significant percent of patients may have arthritis, and this can often be debilitating. So it is important to look at the whole, whole condition and try and treat the patients in a holistic manner. And I feel that patient education is a hallmark of management. Now, is psoriatic arthritis, which is the arthritis associated with psoriasis, is that different from what people would think of generally as arthritis? And what, what makes it different? I think that's an important point. The majority of patients with arthritis would have rheumatoid arthritis. And again, that's an autoimmune condition. Psoriatic arthritis is slightly different in the sense that the joints it affects may be a bit different. Uh, often you get nail involvement. As you know, with psoriasis, you can get pitting of the nails or discoloration of the nails. And again, the arthritis can occur on the distal aspect of the finger. And again, the patient would have psoriasis. For example, the patient may have some spots on the elbows or knees. So they're often linked together. Rheumatoid arthritis, again, is a different subset. That's a common 
condition and the most common condition is osteoarthritis which occurs in older patients and that's the normal type of arthritis you may get on the knees uh, and so on. So psoriatic arthritis is a bit different but the management is similar and there's a lot of new treatments because we are now uh, aware of the fact that it's an immunological condition. Various medications have come onto the market which target the inflammation. So therefore, patients with very, very severe psoriasis can be treated with a new set of drugs called biologics. These are given by injections and they're very, very effective, but they're exorbitantly expensive and they do have side effects. But uh, just to mention, the majority of patients with psoriasis would have involvement of the skin. They would not require these potent medications. They can be controlled with various types of ointments and creams. So the, uh, as I mentioned, most patients will present to the general practitioners or dermatologists with psoriasis involving the skin and for which we have a whole spectrum of treatment. There's a lot of new treatments that have come onto the market and a very small percentage would require much more potent drugs. So we actually have a whole sort of uh, plan of action. We treat the mild psoriasis with more topical creams and ointments and the moderate psoriasis we use uh, what we call phototherapy, a special type of ultraviolet light which targets the uh, skin areas and uh, this results in good treatment but that's for moderate, uh, moderate uh, psoriasis. And again if the patient have more severe psoriasis and they may have arthritis we can use internal medications and although I mentioned biologics, uh, these are not commonly used because of the problem of the cost factor and medical aids, but I do have patients on it. It's given them a fantastic quality of life. But then we also have other drugs like metotrexate. But again, we have to be a bit careful because these drugs, uh, we need to monitor these patients. A uh, drug like metotrexate, we have to make sure the patient doesn't have a background of liver disease, uh, make sure they do not consume alcohol because it can have an effect on the liver. We have to watch their blood count, the kidney function, liver function. And then we have other drugs like cyclosporin. Uh, here we need to watch the kidney function. And then we have a, a, a set of drugs called uh, retinoids, and one of them is neotigason. And uh, these are vitamin A analogs, and these drugs uh, can cause problems like high cholesterol and liver, so, uh, liver problems. So we need to monitor these patients. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on psoriasis with Dr. Mohammed Dokrat, and he's a dermatologist in private practice here in Cape Town. If you have any questions, as I said, we are focusing on psoriasis, but if you have any general skin ailments that you'd like to speak to Dr. Dokrat about, you can call us on 0892 102010. 0892 102010. Before I went to that bit of a break, I was going to ask you about medication, if what was new over the last 10, 20 years. Now, you said there's quite a number of new medications on the market. So mm. if people have been suffering with something like psoriasis for a long time and the medication they're taking or the cream they're using, they're still using the same thing from, they should actually go and speak to their doctor or their dermatologist because, as you say, there are new treatments available now. Certainly. The problem is that patients with psoriasis, they get frustrated because there's no cure for psoriasis. And it's important for patients to have regular contact with their dermatologists or doc, uh, general practitioners in order to see if new treatments that have come through onto the market will be effective. The standard treatment has been with topical cortisone creams. They have been very, very effective, but long term they can have 
side effects like thinning of the skin. Uh, tar treatments have been exceptionally effective, but the problem is that aesthetically they can stain and cause problems. Uh, another drug is called dithranol, a topical, but this can again burn or stain the, uh, the skin. So a new generation of drugs that have come onto the market is vitamin D analogs. Now these drugs are combined a vitamin D in an ointment form together with a cortisone. They are combined and they have quite an effective, uh, uh, quite good efficacy in the management of psoriasis. And then um, for the scalp, we have new type of shampoos. One of them uh, contains cortisone. It's left on for about 15 minutes, quite effective. And then the new uh, topical gels that have come through, again, is a combination of vitamin D and topical steroids. The important uh, point about these new medications, which are ointments and gels, is that the fact that they can be used once daily, and that improves compliance. Patients can find it easy to use, and again, they don't have to spend a lot of time sort of managing this. What skin. were they having to do before? They used to use various type of tar treatments on their scalp or on the body, and again, that used to stain the clothing, mm. the the bedding, and uh, you know they had to wash it off. So it was a bit cumbersome. Bit of a mission. Mm. Yeah, topical steroids were much easier to use, but again, you don't want to use too much of topical steroids. So I think one needs to assess the patient. They need to see a doctor. The doctor would be able to assess how widespread the psoriasis is, and again, if the topical treatment is not adequate, we use phototherapy. Uh, we have these uh, units in, the, uh, in dermatologist rooms where the patient would be able to uh, stay, uh, stand in a cabinet and that will provide ultraviolet B and that is very effective in uh, clearing psoriasis. And uh, in addition to the private practice, hospitals like Critis Kier would have the phototherapy, uh, hospitals in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, we've got the Donny Gordon Hospital and they've got a phototherapy unit, likewise in Durban and we in practice. So we find that a significant percent of our patients um, would require phototherapy. And again, this is not taking oral drugs. This is light therapy in conjunction with the ointments and creams, and that clears psoriasis quite well. And for people with sort of just not as severe psoriasis, would being out in the sun help them if, they, if they'd had just mild psoriasis? Certainly. Uh, sunlight actually improves psoriasis, but now we need to have a balance because we are aware of the fact... Bad sun time, yes. Yes, so we are aware of the fact that excessive sunlight can cause skin cancer. So what we advise patients is rather be cautious in having exposure to the sun to improve psoriasis, but the areas that are not involved, uh, like, for example, the face, you know, is not usually involved, use a UV block, go out in the sun for about 10 to 15 minutes, and that would actually help clear the psoriasis. But not at the peak time. So go in the exactly. morning sort of before yes. 11, before 12, yes. or in the afternoon after 3 or something. Indeed. And it's important for patients to be sun safe. And I think this is important. Mm. We have a balance. And again, sun exposure will uh, increase our vitamin D levels as well. So I think it is important. We have a beautiful country with lots of sunshine. So we need to have a balance between having sun exposure and not burning, not getting severe burns that can lead to skin cancer. I was talking to representatives from the Cancer Association a while ago, and they were saying it's the most bizarre thing. You think about South Africa with this fabulous sunshine we have, and we've got an enormous amount of people living in this country with very, very low vitamin D levels. And you sort of think, but why? And then you, they sort of looked into it, and they said, well, mm. people might be in the sun, but they are so covered up with sunblock that they're not getting the effect from the sun. So you, we yeah. can't really win here. 
you know. Certainly. Uh, in my practice, I often do vitamin D levels in patients, and I found a significant number of patients have low vitamin D, and obviously we have to supplement them with, uh, with vitamin D by mouth. But is it important? You need to have, a, a, again, a balance. And with, with South Africa being a sunny climate, we should be able to yes. have adequate amount of sunblock. The problem is that I think people have gone overboard in, sun, in terms of sun protection. So I think what, ne what we need to do is we need to advise the public that you need to use a sun a sunblock, prevent burning. I think that's important. One should avoid severe sunburn. But again, we need to have adequate amount of sun exposure for vitamin D uh, sort of levels to be normal. So I, I think the important thing is sun safe. Obviously, people must wear hats, sunglasses, clothing, uh, sunblocks, and especially children, one needs to use uh, various types of, of uh, clothing as well. So uh, I think what we need to do is have a balance mm. between enjoying the sun, but not burning and not getting skin cancer. Right, let's speak to Daphne and Peter Marisburg. Daphne, good evening. Good evening, Corin. Hi, how can we help this evening, Daphne? Um, I just want, wanted to tell you that um, for a long time I suffered with psoriasis of the scalp. And cream that I uh, got from my doctor uh, over the years didn't help and it was spreading. And then a few months ago, I consulted a homeopath and the treatment he gave me cleared it up. And within three months, it's all gone. It's, my scalp is cleared. So I was wondering if sometime you could um, have a program um, dealing with homeopathic um, uh, medicines or homeopaths I could but I just thought I would tell you that I consulted a homeopath and the treatment he gave me is cleared it up and that's all I had it on the scalp I didn't have it on uh, any other part of my body what was it he gave you Daphne oh it's a little bottle of uh, liquid that I had to I, I, I'm visually impaired I've got I have I suffer with macular degeneration oh, I'm sorry, so I'm unable to read anything and um, the little bottle of medicine that he gave me um, I had to on waking every morning I had to place uh, put five drops on my tongue oh, on your tongue okay water or tea or anything on waking every morning five drops every morning and over three months and I've still got a little of it left I'm still using it but it's all cleared up Okay, Dr. Dockrat, would you like to just make a comment? Uh, good evening, Daphne. I'm actually very pleased that your psoriasis has cleared because, as you know, uh, psoriasis is a difficult problem to treat and to clear. But yes. by all means, if you use treatment that is quite safe and it doesn't cause any harm, I would certainly go ahead with that. So what we as doctors, we use scientific sort of treatment in terms of uh, creams, lotions, medications, which are sort of evidence-based or, you know, used all over the world from a medical point of view. But uh, I certainly believe that if the normal type of treatments, the medical therapy doesn't help, by all means, you could use homeopathic therapy, and yes. uh, if it helps you, it's fine. We as uh, as dermatologists do not usually prescribe homeopathic uh, treatment uh, mm. for psoriasis, except that there is a, there are products from Nor uh, Norway, Norwegian products, which are homeopathic, and patients use that, and yes. some patients feel a benefit. So I'm quite happy that you have cleared, and I, I feel that you could continue because there's no certainly no harm. As long as you take medications which are safe and helping yes. you, by all means. So I'm glad that you're clear. 
Is yes. this something you have to keep on taking, Daphne, or is that just it now? No, just as soon as it's finished. Well, I've got still a little of it left. And, I mean, you know, five drops every morning doesn't make much difference in the... In the pottle, yes. ...finishing the, um, you know, using up the medicine. And um, so I, I went to him at the end of August, and um, after August, September, October, November, and into December, and I've still got little left and I'm still using it every five uh, five drops every morning well, although it's, it's, it's it's cleared up maybe I could leave off well just rather if, if, if it's working for you just rather listen to what he had to say Dr. Dockrat again uh, again Daphne as, as I mentioned you know we as doctors and dermatologists would prescribe creams uh, uh, creams topical creams lotions and so on so yes. it's quite interesting that you're using things you know, uh, drops, um, you know, by mouth, and yes. it's clearing psoriasis. Are you not using any shampoos or any lotions for um, your scalp? Uh, I, um, I do use a medicated shampoo called Sen- Self Sun Blue um, every now and again. I don't use it all the time. Otherwise, in between, I'm using, um, 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 uh, uh, what do you call it, sun silk um, shampoo sometimes. You know, so I don't use the self sun blue every every week when I wash my hair. Um, I use the self sun blue uh, um, now and again, you know, but it's all cleared up. Sure. Daphne, uh, continue continue with your treatment because you're doing quite well. And, uh, you know, if obviously you get a flare-up, then you might consult a dermatologist. So by all means, you're doing fine and there's no harm. You could continue and I'm glad that you're clearing well. Yes, that's uh, great. Yes. Thank you, Daphne. And I'll certainly take your advice, your, your your comments about possibly having a homeopath on the show in the new year. I'll make a point of of, of doing that. So yes. thank you, thank you for the suggestion. Thank you very much. Thank you, Daphne. Thanks for getting through. You're welcome. Good My night pleasure. to you. Bye bye now. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on psoriasis, or if you have any other ailments to do with your skin, you can call us. I'm chatting with Dr. I'm a doc rat and he's a dermatologist in private practice in Cape Town. You can call us on 0892102010. Dr. Dockrat, I want to go back to something you mentioned right in the beginning. You spoke about stigma, and I think we've all heard stigma so much. We talk about stigma when it comes to disabilities, when it comes to HIV, this to something like psoriasis, because it is so visibly out there. When you, somebody has it, you can see it. And it's, how does this affect people psychologically? You run a psoriasis clinic here in Cape Town, and you must see a lot of that here. Yeah, a significant percentage of my patients have uh, depression because of their psoriasis. Obviously, this having psoriasis, which is quite a, a, you know, a visible condition, obviously causes a lot of psychosocial problems. And again, stigmatization is, is important because of the fact that if they go for a job interview and if they have psoriasis on their hand and if they meet their prospective employer, obviously it creates a negative impression. The same applies to schools as well. And uh, again, interpersonal relationship. And uh, again, what is very, very important is the public needs to be aware that this is not a condition like leprosy or HIV. The other important point is if you have psoriasis on your scalp, it is difficult to manage, you know, using various types of shampoos. Again, if you wear, you cannot wear dark clothing because the scale will fall on the clothing, it will be visible. And again, if you have psoriasis on the nails, you know, people would ask you what's wrong. So again, it's a condition that is visible 
a condition that looks red. And again, if people are not aware of the condition, then obviously they would have various kinds of uh, misconceptions about it. And what I find is I, if I have uh, children with psoriasis in the practice, I advise them to do a, um, a talk on psoriasis to their, to their peers, you know, to their schoolmates. And in that way, they're able to try and sort of come to terms with the psoriasis and again to educate their schoolmates that, you know, this is a condition, I'm fine. And I think the most important fact, uh, Karen, is that celebrities like Kim Kardashian. Yes, I was reading yeah. Kim Kardashian. There was another one as well, a quite well-known. I can't uh, remember who it was. Yeah. It's an actress. I think Britney Spears. Britney Spears, that's right. Yes. I read about that. And I was just, gosh, if they're talking about it, it's, yes. it makes a big impact. Now, it's interesting because there's a famous model who's had psoriasis and she was thinking of giving up modeling. So, again, it can have quite a, a traumatic, mm. uh, you know, um, aspect to one's life. So, I think, again... We need to try and empower patients. And I find that, you know, speaking to patients, you know, discussing various issues they have and, again, providing treatment which can improve the quality of life, you know, makes them feel good. I advise patients to go out onto the beach in the summer months. A lot of them do not want to sort of put their bathing costumes on because they're worried about what the public do. And again, this is important. We have the psoriasis support group. Sister Judy Wallace, she's from hospital. She's a chairperson of the psoriasis support group. We have regular meetings at um, UCT uh, private hospital and uh, we have various types of speakers, for example, a psychologist, dermatologist. And uh, the, in, on the 29th of October, we had the World Psoriasis Day. And again, people wore t-shirts, you know, regarding psoriasis, educate the public. And again, you know, in the summer months, maybe a group of patients with psoriasis can go onto the beach and, you know, um, if you always feel yes. there's safety in numbers, you know, yes. if there's more of you, now, then... Now, it's interesting. A, a friend of mine, uh, she had severe psoriasis and she used to go to the Dead Sea. And yes, that apparently helps. Yes, very much so. Uh, the the salts as well as a special type of uh, the amount of ultraviolet exposure. People do not get burned easily, and you find the Dead Sea treatment, the, the uh, solariums, they provide excellent therapy. The problem is it's costly. Always that sort of thing is the travel there and the stay there and, you know, but um, if you're able to, that is something else. That Certainly, it's a natural consider. form of mm. therapy and it's uh, not harmful. Right, Pritchard in Petersburg. Good evening, Pritchard. Good evening, and you? Hello. You have a question for the doctor? Uh, yeah, I have a problem. Uh, when, I, when I was young, I, I didn't have these things, uh, black spots. So when I grew up, uh, saw them coming in my face, right? So I have this problem. Uh, I I think it's freckles, but I'm not sure about it. So uh, how can how can I clear that? You got black spots on your face. Yeah. Is it itching or burning or anything? Uh, it's not itching. It's not burning. Are they just little spots or they're quite big spots? Uh, there are there are some little spots and there are big spots. Okay, are they growing? I mean, the little ones do they get bigger or do they just stay the same size? They are not growing; they are staying at the same size. Okay, Doctor Dockrat. I think it is important in 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 your case. You need to see a dermatologist because it's you know on the face one needs to examine that. Without examining, there's a whole lot of different types 
of black spots you get on the face. So it's difficult to discuss them. I think it's important to see a dermatologist. There are dermatologists in your area and let them make a diagnosis so they can treat, give you the right treatment. So in your case, uh, I would suggest that it's best to see a dermatologist because otherwise, uh, it's, you know, we would be talking about a whole lot of conditions and one may not be sure. One needs to examine the skin. Okay, okay, Pritchard, we don't, uh, we, okay, do you have another question? Yeah, I have another question. I've seen the dermatologist, uh, they gave me, they gave me the, the lotion, uh, the sun blocker, and some pills, and another, uh, lotion that, that, that I put on the face at night. It's been a, it's been a month now, but, uh, I haven't seen any change. What was the condition that the dermatologist mentioned? And, and uh, you see, we need to find out what condition and what creams and lotions he gave. I think the important point that he gave you was a sunblock. If you have dark spots, it may get worse with the sun. So you need to use a sunblock on a regular basis. But uh, did, he, did he tell you what the actual condition was? Uh, he didn't tell me. I'll ask the next time when I go there. Yeah. Again, the treatment you've been using for a month, I think give it more chance. You continue using it until you see the dermatologist again. And what you need to find out from the dermatologist is what the condition is. Again, he's given you treatment. You need to try and find out the names of the creams, ointments, and the tablets. And then you need to ask the dermatologist how long will it take before it clears. So I think it's important to communicate with your dermatologist. And again, give the treatment a chance. But I'm glad that you're using a sunblock. That certainly would help. Okay, Pritchard, thanks for getting through. Good night. If you have any questions about anything to do with your skin or on psoriasis, call us on 0892-102010, 0892-102010. You were talking just a moment ago about children in your practice. Um, how common is this in children and how easy is it to misdiagnose this as eczema? How different is psoriasis to eczema, for example? I think that's a very important point. Uh, psoriasis is not very common in children, but there's often a genetic tendency. Now, eczema is different. Uh, indeed, patients with psoriasis have severe itch. They can sometimes scratch and it bleeds. But uh, eczema, the common type of eczema or atopic dermatitis, usually uh, a child may have other allergies, for example, asthma or hay fever. It usually occurs from the age of about three months, common in infancy. And these patients have uh, a rash which is rough, which can be uh, very, very itchy, and sometimes they scratch and you can get infection. And eczema commonly occurs on the joints. Psoriasis on the elbows, the eczema on the inner arm, on the inner uh, knees as well, what we call the uh, behind the knees. And uh, they can get involvement of the face. And again, patients with eczema, there's a problem with severe itch. So psoriasis is a condition where you get excess scale. In eczema, you do not get excess scale usually. The skin usually becomes uh, rough. You may get blisters. You may get a secondary uh, infection or bacteria. And uh, eczema is very common in children. And again, there may be a family history of eczema. And uh, so the two conditions are quite different. So, but this, if, if parents are listening to this, children can get psoriasis. It is not common. But there are the odd cases where it could happen. Most certainly, yeah. I think the important thing is uh, it's important to diagnose psoriasis in childhood because sometimes it may be related to a throat infection and those patients may require oral 
uh, penicillin uh, treatment as well. And again, uh, in children, again, the problem with psychological, uh, you know, problems, uh, pressure and so on, one needs to manage them. And again, the most important point is to educate the parents. Mm. It's quite a traumatic diagnosis because once you diagnose psoriasis, it's a long-term problem. It's a lifetime, and, lifetime and, thing. And again, parents need to be uh, informed about the condition. And I think one needs to try and have a holistic aspect in management. Uh, and again, uh, we do not see psoriasis usually at infancy. There are different types of very rare form of psoriasis that we see in, uh, in infancy. But the majority of patients in infancy and early childhood would have eczema. Okay. Margaret in Port Elizabeth, good evening. Good evening. I'm phoning on behalf of a friend of mine who has uh, been diagnosed with something called Haley Haley's disease. I have personally never heard of that. Dr. Dockrat is, is smiling, so he knows what that is. Okay, and your question is, Margaret? <laughs> She's been told it cannot be cured. It can only be controlled with drugs like methotrexate. Is that right? Well, first of all, what is Haley Haley's disease? Okay, uh, I'm going to give you a technical term. It's called pemphigus, but that's, you know, that's a technical okay, well, I'm term. Haley, even more now. Okay, okay. Haley Haley di uh, disease is where you can get blisters, especially on the armpits, in the groin area, and uh, these do not heal. They do not heal. There's various forms of treatments. We use cortisone creams, and then if it's severe, we may all use oral medications. Uh, I agree that there is no cure for Haley Haley, but there's certainly treatments which can control it, clear it, and, uh, and this can, again, provide a good quality of life. About the use of metotrexate, it's not a first-line treatment that we use for Haley Haley. There's a whole spectrum from ointments, creams, and then one would have to consider uh, medications by mouth as well. So it's a very, very rare condition. Again, the term is pemphigus, but uh, again, um, a very rare condition. I've got a fair number of of patients in my practice, and it's often aggravated by friction. I have a patient who's got Haley Haley in the groin, that is in the crush area, and when yes, he cycles... my friend has it in the same place. Okay, when he cycles, often you find that friction causes a problem. So again, um, I'm sure the patient has been managed by a dermatologist, and yes. I'm sure the dermatologist is providing the the right form of therapy. If the dermatologist prescribed metotrexate, I'm sure he would sort of uh, have used it, you know, uh, after having explored the whole lot of creams and ointments. And I'm sure this will help control the Haley Haley. And uh, certainly uh, the patient can remain clear for a long period of time. So I think what one needs to do is avoid friction. That's important. Okay, and infection. I will tell you that. Sure. Thank you very, very much, Doctor. Thank you, Margaret. Pleasure. Thank you very okay. much. Thanks for getting okay. through. Good night to you. And I've, and I've heard, learned something new. I'd never even heard of Haley Haley's before. Obviously, you said it's quite rare. Again, it's a very, very rare condition. So I think, again, this is a very small uh, subset of patients. Mm. And again, you know, uh, it's a condition where you need to educate uh, the patients. What I do in my practice is I often sort of give them information about it, get them to go on to internet as long as they're looking at the right Well, that's what I was about sites. to say because I've always told that's not a good thing. <laughs> I think we, we have to inform them which internet sites mm, to go yeah, to. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll come up with a whole lot of... Scary stuff we mm. shouldn't be reading. I had a patient the other day who had um, a very rare form of condition and on the internet, uh, the forums and the chat lines, 
one of the advice uh, was that uh, it may be related to some some other patient mentioned to mercury and the advice that you know mercury oh, gosh, should be removed from. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So again, I think it's important to try and consult your doctor, or dermatologist. We would provide scientific, you know, knowledge. We would provide. Uh, the correct diagnosis, and we provide treatment, which is what they call evidence-based, which is uh, used all over the world. And I think that's important. I think people, that do, they tend to go on the internet. It's so easy now to go on there. Just type it up in Google, and all this stuff comes up, 10 million pages, and you'll pick one, and it's going to be the scary one that, that you think you literally are about to need to phone the undertaker tomorrow because you're dying. Most of the time, you've got the wrong website. That's right. I think it's important for us to actually advise patients which website to look at, what is scientific, and to try and sort of remove uh, incorrect information because sometimes it can be very traumatic. You know, the patient will read about conditions and they think it's, that's the end of the mm. world. Or they think that's them and they might have picked up the wrong thing because a lot of people try and self-diagnose as well. Now, well, before I go to the doctor, let me just have a look. Let me see. I'll put my symptoms in there. And then it could be one of a million things. You the same symptoms for 10 different things. And you're now going to cause yourself a lot of stress. You're going to panic. Rather just go to the doctor first. I think, I think that's important to have that uh, doctor-patient interaction. Because mm. that's what you're there for. Yeah, we, we, that's why we come and see people like yourself. I just wanted to get back to you. You spoke about things like the strep throat, and I know people panic a little bit about strep throat because it, it can be quite a serious condition. Um, is this something that would cause psoriasis, or does this just exacerbate something that potentially was there anyway that just hadn't come to the fore yet? I think that's an important point. Uh, it is important to know that not all patients who have a streptococcal infection of the throat will get psoriasis. So there would be a genetic tendency to have psoriasis. So, for example, the genetic tendency is there and then the other factors that may trigger it. Not a common problem, it's called gutted psoriasis, occurs in childhood and usually the prognosis is better in, in the sense that those patients usually clear, clear well. Uh, and on that point, with streptococcal infection of the throat, again, they need to see the doctor because in the old days, uh, if a child had a streptococcal infection of the throat, it could have led to various conditions like heart conditions, like rheumatic fever, mm. uh, also kidney conditions. Like, uh, uh, So I think it is important, again, we don't want to over-prescribe antibiotics, but they need to be used judiciously for the correct diagnosis. Because there is that problem at the moment that they stop, they're not going to be working for that much longer because exactly. we're taking too many of them. That's so right. So we need to take them correctly and for the correct things. Most certainly. What's, what's happening is that in the hospitals, we're finding that patients are becoming resistant to certain mm. antibiotics. And that may cause problems long term because they might not respond to the conventional antibiotics and then one has to resort to very, very potent antibiotics. And at some stage, you might find that no antibiotics would work. So I think, again, the judicious, cautious use of antibiotics is very, very important. And as we've said, psoriasis is something that you're not ever going to really grow out of, get rid of. It's not going to suddenly wake up one morning and it's gone. This is a lifelong thing. But Being an autoimmune condition, it's, you can manage it, but it's not ever going to disappear completely. Yes. As I mentioned, it's more immunological. The important point of, the, of psoriasis is that often patients can clear for a considerable period of time. They may be clear of psoriasis for about six months or longer. So although there is no cure for psoriasis, 
treatments can clear psoriasis and it and provide a good quality of life. So we find that patients often they they clear they sort of free of psoriasis for a long period of time, and then we find that in the winter months they get a flare up because in the summer months they go to the beach and they get sun exposure, which certainly helps psoriasis. So again, I think the important thing is to uh, to impart confidence, provide confidence to the patients, and to inform them that uh, although they have psoriasis. It's, uh, it's not a death sentence. They can certainly uh, clear the psoriasis by using correct medications, and uh, they can actually live a normal life. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and this evening we're focusing on your skin and specifically on psoriasis. But if you have any questions on anything else, you can call us with those as well. My guest this evening is Dr. Mohammed Dokrat, and he's a dermatologist in private practice here in Cape Town. If you'd like to call us, 0892102010. Um, we were talking about medications and the fact we need to take them and the possibility that they could with this um, strep throat thing and the antibiotics. It's quite a balancing act when it comes to medications and that's something that I'm, I imagine if people are on them, it would pay to how often would they need to go and be checked up and have their medicines reassessed? Okay, I think the, the one point is again a sore throat, they need to be examined by the mm. doctor to see whether it's a bacterial cause for the sore throat for which they uh, require antibiotics. Sometimes the sore throat is caused by a viral infection, and for viruses we do not use antibiotics. I think that's the, the important point. Uh, second thing as regards medications for psoriasis, again, oral medications are used for the moderate to severe psoriasis. And again, we use them cautiously by doing blood tests, by following them up. And again, those patients that have severe psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We find, we certainly use metotrexate, but in the small subset of patients who have very severe psoriasis, like in my practice, I've got a few patients who have been on a whole lot of medications. They had inpatient hospitalization for psoriasis, and then I've had them on these drugs called uh, uh, biologics, uh, drugs like Stellara, there's Humira, there's Enbrel, and those drugs are given by injection, and uh, I, I normally give it to them every three months, and it's amazing. The psoriasis is clear. Uh, they actually, some of them have been covered from head to toe. And those patients are actually able to lead, uh, again, you know, a good quality of life. Their work sort of situation is, is good. Their personal interactions are fine. But again, this is a small percentage. Again, the majority of patients with psoriasis can be treated with ointments and creams. The, the important point about psoriasis when we treat them is we l try and decrease the scale and the thickness of the spots, the redness of the spots. When that happens, um, the skin may have a little bit of staining, but it looks much better. So they don't have the scale that's mm. falling off on the carpets and so on. And again, phototherapy, we reserve it for uh, patients with moderate to severe psoriasis. And again, that certainly helps. So each patient is seen, uh, looked at, an, in, at an, uh, from an indi uh, indiv individual aspect, and again, the dermatologist needs to assess the patient, look at how extensive the psoriasis and the treatment is tailored you know, for that patient's psoriasis. I wasn't aware that patients would have in-hospital treatment for psoriasis. Fortunately, it's not common now. When I was critical care in, uh, about 20 years ago, uh, we used to get the patients in and we used to use 
a tar treatment and dithronol. It worked fantastic, but again, they had to come in for treatment and they had to stay in hospital for about a week to two to three weeks. Wow. And then they used to get ultraviolet light in conjunction with that. But I think with the advent of the new medications that have come on board, uh, most patients can be treated on an outpatient basis. So again, for the very severe forms of psoriasis, Hospital admission is helpful, but uh, fortunately, most patients are treated on an outpatient basis. So it's not that common these days anymore. Yes. Ahmed in Durban, good evening. Good evening to you, ma'am. How are you? Very well. How are you? Trying to be better. Good. How can we help you to feel even better than you are? Okay, I need to talk to the doctor. He's right here. Go ahead. Okay. Doc, Salaam alaikum. Wa salam. Doc, the name is Ahmed. I'm calling from Durban. I've been diagnosed... Uh, treated by a dermatologist, three of them so far, okay? The first one said I had a fungal infection in my feet. He was treating me with uh, permanganate of potash and castellanus paint for uh, about three weeks. Then I developed a cyst in one of the fingers, and he put me onto Bactroban. And I got no results that continued for about another two weeks, and then I changed the dermatologist. And when I went to the second dermatologist, she says it's uh, uh, fungal. She put me onto Caniston and Trevacot. And I reacted to the Trevacot. And when I phoned her to tell her this is what has happened, then she says, you know what, I don't know what it is. Then I went to the third dermatologist. She says uh, she called it weeping eczema. Now, at the moment, I'm using Bactroban on a daily basis. It's gone about three weeks. They put me on a course of prednisone. I finished that. I started my second course of trisporo, and I'm still getting the weeping feet. My hands, are, uh, the skin's gone hard, and it's drying up. I'm using uh, a mixture uh, requested by the dermatologist. The chemist made me a mixture, and talk, I'm getting no relief. Oh my gosh, it sounds like you had quite a journey there. Um, yes. Dr. Dockrat, what have you got to say? Yeah, I think the, there's, two, there's two points. Uh, the one is that a diagnosis of a fungal infection has been done, and the doctors have treated you with antifungal tablets as well as creams, and then the third dermatologist made a diagnosis of weeping eczema. I think the important point is, again, one needs to make a clear diagnosis. One needs to examine the skin, you know, the palms and soles. Again, I agree that they could be, it could be eczema, it could be fungal infection, or it could be even psoriasis that involves the hands and feet. Again, what I would recommend that uh, the Bactroban do not use it continuously because, you know, with the, uh, with the Bactroban, one normally uses it approximately five days, five to ten days, and the prednisone is normally used for uh, for eczema internally if it's severe. The trisporal is used for a fungal infection. And uh, I'm afraid it's very difficult for me to advise you because you've got a condition where one needs to examine the skin. You've seen three dermatologists. I think what you need to do is you need to see the last dermatologist again, see how you've responded to the creams and the tablets, and then see see what happens from there. Uh, I think over the radio, it's very, very difficult to advise you. Sure, sure. So I would recommend that you make an appointment to see the dermatologist. Give the dermatologist treatment a chance for at least about two weeks. See what the improvement is and then ask the dermatologist to, you know, put down, to, to write down what the condition is, 
what's going to happen to the condition, what is a long-term uh, result and whether there's a cure or whether it's a condition that it continues. I think it's important to get some sort of background and education about the condition so that one would be able to, to manage. Well, the doc, talking to, my, to the third dermatologist this morning, now I didn't mention to you that my mom had eczema. So she says it could be hereditary, number one. Mm. And then she says, uh, she suggested that I start another cause of prednisone, which I refuse to do today. And I said, I'm going to play it. Do I put the petroban, leave it, soak my feet again in the magnet of potash? Or I'm a bit lost. And I said, let me hold. And uh, I'm now in the process of looking at another dermatologist for his opinion on the matter. Oh, I mean, you, you're going to too many of these guys. I think every time you go somewhere else, it just makes the whole thing more complicated. I wish, I, wish I, could, lost, I wish I could help you. I think the problem that you, you, you have is there's too many diagnoses that have been made. And I think what you, what you need to do is uh, you need to... Stick with one. Yeah, stick with the dermatologist. Try and get some sort of, uh, you know, information about treatment, management, and so on. And you need to communicate with the dermatologist in terms of your management. So speaking over the radio, it's very, very difficult. No, sure, sure, sure. Well, I I mean, I think really just speak to that last dermatologist. Don't go to another one just yet. I think stick with the last one and uh, just stay with her her for now, yes, and just see how it goes. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the Thank call. Thanks. Good night to you. Jeffrey in Port Elizabeth. Good evening. Hello, Jeffrey. Uh, good, uh, good evening, lady. Hi, Jeffrey. How, how can we help? I have um, a grandchild who I think has got this cirrhosis. You know, here his skin has got some small uh, pimples. Sometimes it's itching. And uh, what I have to do sometimes, I put on the some Vaseline. This is what we are talking about, cirrhosis. Okay, so it's pimples, you said. Yeah, it's pimples. Sometimes they're a bit rough, you know. And of course, her mom has got it. Okay, uh, I think the first and most important thing is uh, we need to differentiate psoriasis. The spelling is P-S-O-R-I-A-S-I-S, which is a skin condition. And cirrhosis, which is C-I-R-R-H-O-S-I-S, is a condition that affects the liver and often is from due to excess intake of alcohol. So uh, you were asking me about psoriasis, which is the skin condition. Now, again, with this child having these little blisters and these little pimples, is unlikely the child has got psoriasis. It may be two things. It may be a reaction to various kinds of bites if it occurs on the legs, various kinds of insect bites. Uh, the fact that the mother has it, does, the, does your daughter, the child's mom, does she have psoriasis? Has she been diagnosed with psoriasis? Not that I know of. I, I don't think she's going to the doctor to check what it it is, you know. Okay, I think it is important you see your family doctor, let him make a diagnosis. I think you and your daughter need to go together and the doctor will be able to first look at the skin, see what the condition is, and then advise you. How old is the child? He he just turned three, about two weeks ago. Yes, no, it's unlikely psoriasis. It's more likely 
uh, a condition called papillary urticaria, or more sort of the common word is uh, insect bite uh, rash. But I, I would suggest that you go and see your family practitioner and then let him advise you accordingly, and we can have lots of treatments available. But uh, it's unlikely psoriasis. Good luck, Jeffrey. Thanks for getting through. Good night to you. Zoe in Durban, good evening. Good evening. Hi, Zoe. How can we help you? I think if um, you would first of all switch your radio off, please, in the background. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, um, well, I need, uh, I have brown spots on me, which break out in various places, not necessarily in, in a sunny place at all. Um, and the doctor can remove them. And there's, there seems to be a sort of a root. Um, I don't know if they call them sunspots or old age spots. Oh, don't say old age spots, Zoe. You're making me feel old now because I found one the <laughs> other day. Um, Dr. Dockrat was smiling here, so I think he knows exactly what they are. Okay. Sunspots usually occur, as you mentioned, on the exposed areas which have had exposure to the sun. So yours on, on the covered skin, uh, not sun exposed areas. The condition that you've got, it's a long name, it's called seborrheic keratosis. The sort of the common name is age spots and it's basically brown spots which are slightly raised. If it does not, uh, the first and most important thing is to see your dermatologist to make sure they're not problematic. Usually if they're not problematic and they're not cancerous, which is unlikely, they're not, it's, it certainly doesn't sound like cancer, then it's the common spots that you get in the elderly and it's like similar to uh, they call it age spots, and uh, again, if it doesn't trouble you, we leave it alone. It's not a problem. If it troubles you, for example, if it itches or you don't like the uh, the uh, cosmetic aspect of this, then your dermatologist can either freeze it with liquid nitrogen or he can remove it. But I think it's important that uh, the dermatologist advise you uh, in terms of the fact that it's not problematic and uh, it's certainly nothing to worry about from what from what it sounds it's a condition almost uh, it's called seborrheic keratosis and it's not from the sun it's very unsightly then that so can be sometimes removed sometimes it appears i have one small one just at the top of one eyebrow and it's very unsightly Yes, no, now, now it's definitely the condition that I mentioned called seborrheic uh, keratosis, uh, which are these sort of warty raised areas which are not cancerous. I would suggest make an appointment to see a dermatologist and he can remove it very easily and it, it should heal quite well and it will look uh, cosmetically much better. Will it not come back again? No, it won't come back. Thank you very much. I far pleasure. prefer the long name, Zoe, rather than the age spot thing. So I think we'll stick with a long, complicated name. It just makes me feel a whole lot better. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Good luck to you with that. Thanks for getting through. Yeah. Gosh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Good night. Gosh, in your practice, you must see a million things. I mean, because there's so many different possibilities. I mean, we've got a lot of skin. That's the biggest organ of the body. So, I mean, you know, you're dealing with a lot. I so. think that's I think that's what's made them, uh, the dermatology so interesting because we have a whole spectrum. The first point is that we see from newborns to infants to teenagers with acne to adults with various types of you know various types of problems like eczema, and then the elderly patients who have the, the to, uh, type of problems like either sunspots or the old age spots. No, so don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a whole spectrum of conditions. And uh, the other important point is these conditions are visible, and by 
us interacting and educating the patients, it's wonderful. We can provide a good quality of life and we can make people feel good. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Dr. Mohammed Dokrat. He's a dermatologist in private practice here in Cape Town, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of Health Matters. Dr. Dokrat, thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening. Indeed, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me, Karen. Well, if you need any further information about psoriasis, you can take a look at a website. It's www.psoriasis.com. That's spelled P-S-O-R-I-A-S-I-S, psoriasis.org.za. If you have any questions or you've missed the website address and you'd like me to send it to you, email me. It's healthmatters at safm.co.za or take a look at the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM. And that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with time to travel. But right now it's time for Stephen Kirker and some late night music. Hello, Stephen.